Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Thank you, Livy, and thank you, Sheila. That was beautiful, wasn't it? I, I love that song, the way they did it, and also the words. Um, they're a reminder that we not only remember that first Christmas, that, that each Christmas we ask that he be born anew in each one of us. I'm going to invite Deb uh, Rosenfeld to come on up here. Deb is running the PowerPoint this morning for us, which is not unusual. Uh, and we have a uh, what I called in the first service a bittersweet moment. And uh, the reason why it is a bittersweet moment is because um, Deb has been with us at North Sound Church for, what, about seven or eight years overall? Mm-hmm. Uh, Six and a half. Six and a half yeah. in your role. In my role. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, North Sound since January of 2013. January of 2013. So it has been a wonderful experience to have um, Deb in the family. Um, I love the story of how Deb came to North Sound. She met Jack Hoover, and uh, somehow he didn't turn her off North Sound Church. And she met John Taylor, and somehow he didn't turn her off North Sound Church. And it started with Chris Chase. With Chris Chase, yeah. that's right. Because he yes. was a member at SNAP. Yes. And it was Brian Stewart. Then it was Rick Gifford, who I thought was a member of North Sound, but he Rick. wasn't. But he is now. <laughs> and then Jack Hoover, and Jack introduced us to John Taylor. And there was something, just something there that really spoke to me. Yeah, I love, I love the, I, I was trying to give you an abbreviated version of the story, uh, <laughs> but, but Deb did a great job. Um, I just love the story of how she came to North Sound and then, uh, and then got involved in accounting for us, and so uh, she is the one that knows those of you who are very generous for the Lord's work and those of you that are very stingy uh, for the <laughs> Lord's work, um, and uh, <laughs> So, uh, so be nice to her. Um, but um, we are, we are uh, I, I say bittersweet because the bitter part is that we're going to lose her in that role. The sweet part is that she's staying a part of the North Sound family and is, uh, is obviously uh, continuing to serve in the way that she has here and elsewhere. Um, but we're going to miss you in the office. It has been uh, such a wonderful thing to have you. And uh, we've grown close during that time, and you have done wonderful things for our accounting and our books. If any of you have any uh, you know, questions, she's just always been able to respond, uh, and we are um, delighted for that, Deb. And we wish you all the best uh, for the future. Thank you. So Let's thank Deb. I was reminded this morning, actually I was reminded yesterday, um, that our public health friends have suggested to us that with all of the flu going around, um, we may want to consider um, uh, masks. And so we have some more in the lobby if any of you would like them. You look better without masks. But, uh, but, um, but uh, the flu went through our complete family, I think, this last uh, week, week and a half or so. And so um, as a precaution, you might want to think about that. Um, so after the service and you've been exposed to 100 people, you're welcome to get a mask and wear it on the way home uh, if you'd like to, like to do that. And uh, 
we have a picture of our Christmas in Edmonds um, concert that took place last weekend. Um, Pastor Allen, I forgot to mention this in the first service this morning, but there's another concert tonight. And it is at uh, Calvary Christian Assembly, um, which is the big brick church on Highway 99. It's, excuse me, I-5, just after Northgate, kind of over the next exit there. And 7 o'clock? Six o'clock tonight. So if you missed it last week, um, you can take advantage of it. The, the music was wonderful. Um, I told Pastor Allen, I think it was, um, if not the best, one of the very best. Some folks say, you know, I don't care for choirs that much, but it's, it's far beyond just listening to a couple of choir songs. It is a, it's a musical experience between the ensembles and the soloists and the music and the orchestra. It's just a wonderful time. So encourage you, if you didn't get a chance, you missed last week, um, you can take advantage of it uh, tonight as well there. We have uh, been doing a series on um, the promised one. And I mentioned to you all uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been utilizing this as a devotional guide from Christianity Today. Um, Each day uh, in December, there is an Advent devotional. We don't have the booklet for you. I wish we did, but um, we do have the ability for you to download um, the booklet. And so you can follow along on your computer or your phone or whatever. Um, If you you get the North Sound email, email that Pastor Allen referred to, um, there's a link in there for the devotional book. We encourage you to, uh, to utilize that. Last week, Pastor Robin did an amazing job of bailing me out when I called at seven in the morning to say, I'm not feeling well, Robin, can you help? And uh, put together, uh, I thought he was going to dig deep in the barrel to find something, but he actually, in about an hour, put together some wonderful stuff for us last week. So uh, my appreciation to him. And today we're going to continue talking a little more about the Prince of Peace, Jesus as the Prince of Peace. So we've been looking at the names of Jesus that are referenced in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And today we're going to talk, as I say, a little more about the Prince of Peace. These are all aspects of the character of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. I think when we, when we think about peace or lack thereof, we often think internationally. I don't know about you guys, but it has been so tragic watching what's been unfolding in the Ukraine Just uh, inexplicable, really, why we have to go through that, why they have to go through that. And then I was reading uh, recently about the Tigray region of Ethiopia and the fighting that has been going on that has an ethnic element to it, the fighting in Yemen, the challenges of North Korea, and the missiles that they keep firing to test. There's so much going on, and we see it as the absence of peace. But it's important, I think, for us to understand that there is so much more to the biblical understanding of what peace actually is. The Hebrew word is shalom, and the Greek word is irene, and I don't know if I have used very often the English um, word that comes from Irene, which is irenic, um, which is another name for peace, but it's not one that's very common in our vocabularies. When we think about shalom and we think about the richness of the word, 
I, I was reminded of uh, when I would work with Marines and when we were in the field, we would have MREs. Anybody know what MRE stands for? Go ahead. Meals ready to eat, that's right. And they come in a, in a brown bag, uh, and brown plastic bag, and uh, you could tell on the outside what it was, and so guys in the distribution would, would exchange with each other based upon what they liked better. But the meals ready to eat were designed by scientists in order to give Marines in the field who were fighting maximum calories to be able to do the job that they needed to do. Now, that's food, right? MREs are food. But there's another kind of food, and they serve it at the Indian restaurant on 196th. And they have a buffet there. Barb, we haven't been for a while. It just reminds me. Um, They have a buffet there that has all sorts of Indian spicy, wonderful dishes, curries and chicken and tandoori chicken and gulab jamuns and, um, oh, I, uh, you know, why don't we dismiss? And uh, <laughs> So anyway, the food is just fantastic. That's also food, but it has a much richer, deeper, wonderful meaning than MREs, which are also food. And when it comes to the understanding of shalom, or erine in Greek, we need to understand that they're, they're both descriptors of food, but both the Hebrew and the Greek words want us to get the sense of the richness of the word. The theological dictionary of the New Testament is sort of a major tool for scholars and pastors, and they devote 20 pages to the explanation of this word because it is so rich in meaning. Both of the words have the sense that moves beyond simply an absence of conflict to the positive perspective of the sense of well-being. Individuals have it apply to them as well as nations. The words mean a broader sense of the goodness of welfare, of health and prosperity. So we read in verses 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah looked forward to the coming of Messiah, to the fullness of the kingdom of God. And we, when we come together, as we did this morning, and Pastor Allen led us in the Lord's Prayer, once again, we prayed, your kingdom come and your will be done. And when we pray that, we're praying for shalom. It's another way of describing a state in which there is that blessedness. Paul described the kingdom of God in three words. He said the kingdom is righteousness, Righteousness means the world is put to rights. The world is the way it should be. The world is going forward the way it should be because it's God's reign and people are being obedient to his reign and the world is going as it should. The kingdom is righteousness, the world put to rights. Peace in this robust sense of shalom. And as a result of the world being put to rights, the robustness of the peace that God is describing, joy is the way then that we live into our experience of life. So we could do an entire series perhaps on peace, 
But this morning, rather than look at the international scene and that larger perspective, I want for just a few moments for us to talk about peace in our own lives. Well, I've found some exceptions. I find that it seems that people live out one of three perspectives on peace, or they make up one of three categories relative to peace in their lives. The first category are what I have called the peace breakers. The peace breakers. We don't have uh, to take too much time to come up with a biblical perspective on peace breakers. When we start at the very beginning and go to Genesis, we find that Cain killed his brother Abel. He was a peace breaker in the very first family. And there's a litany of people in the scriptures that follow in Cain's footsteps. Nowadays, we think of not only Hitler in the 20th century, but I think we think of Putin as well as someone who is a peace breaker who invaded a neighboring country and brought destruction and the absence of peace to that part of the world. But perhaps more important and closer to us are those who are peace breakers in our lives. For honest, perhaps we are peace breakers. A peace breaker is someone who walks into a room and as he walks into that room, any peace that was there evaporates almost immediately. These people have an uncanny way of bringing tension, strife, anger, and negative feelings with them into the room. I worked with a guy in another setting, not here at North Sound Church, but in another setting who I could never quite understand because he had such a major problem with anger. And this was a, a large church staff situation, and this individual consistently had issues with anger. And in my role, and because it was affecting the staff, I had to sit down with him and say, you know, help me out here. I, I don't understand what's going on. And he shared with me that he used anger as a way of getting people to do what he wanted them to do. He used anger as a way of manipulating people. Somehow, somehow oblivious to the destruction that was going on around him as a result of doing that. When we're around peace breakers, we find ourselves saying with David in Psalm 120, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. The second category are the peace takers. I think most of us would say that we are peace takers or we want to be peace takers and that is we want to take peace <coughs> excuse me and bring it into our lives. We want to be people who take peace into our lives. We want to live with that sense of shalom, that sense of well-being in our lives. I think of a mother of young children who when the kids get to bed, has that brief amount of time to kind of sigh and relax and have a, a moment of peace, a moment of well-being, a moment of time to be able to deal with what she needs to do personally. Oh, for a moment of peace, she says. On Thursdays, when Ethan was little, I took my day off to watch him, and I had such a wonderful time doing so. But I learned something about one-year-olds and two-year-olds, and that is when Papa would excuse himself to go to the bathroom, 
It wasn't very long, seconds really, before there was bang, 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 bang on the door because Ethan didn't want to be left alone wherever he was. I longed in those moments for a sense of peace. Unity and peace seem to go hand in hand. The psalmist pictures it well in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Peace breakers take the peace from their marriage. They take the peace from their family, their workplace, and even church. Peace takers, which I assume all of us are, want to live in peace. We want to have that sense of shalom in our lives, that sense of well-being. But there's one more category I want us to consider, and that is that we are also called to be peacemakers. In the passage we're considering in the Advent series, we see God is identified with peace. God is the Prince of Peace. He brings shalom, he brings peace as a part of who he is, as a part of his character. Remember how the shepherds heard the angels in Luke 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When we think about peacemakers, we tend to think of uh, the, the Henry Kissingers, those of us that are old enough to remember that um, esteemed diplomat, or maybe Condi Rice from an earlier era. But there are also peacemakers who are a lot closer to home. Unlike the people who bring tension with them into any room that they enter, there are those who bring peace with them. According to the scripture, it seems that peace, this peace that is brought with them, is more than a greeting. It's more than passing the peace on Sunday morning, peace be with you. But in fact, it's a gift we give to others the gift of peace. When Jesus sends out the 70, he explains this in Luke 10. He said, whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. Your peace, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it'll return to you. It's almost as though peace, shalom, is something tangible that is actually given as a gift study by Harvard University reveals that peacemakers, those that bring peace into the room, actually find that that peace is contagious. Rob Stein reports in the Washington Post, he says, happiness is contagious, spreading among friends, neighbors, siblings, and spouses like the flu according to a large study that for the first time shows how emotion can ripple through clusters of people who may not even know each other. The study of more than 4,700 people who were followed over 20 years found that people who are happy or become happy boost the chances that someone they know will be happy. The power of happiness, moreover, can span another degree of separation, elevating the mood of that person's husband, wife, brother, sister, friend, or next-door neighbor. 
you would think that your emotional state would depend on your own choices and actions and experience, said Nicholas Christakis, a medical sociologist at Harvard University who helped conduct the study published by the British Medical Journal. He says, but it also depends on the choices and actions and experiences of other people, including people to whom you are not directly connected. He concludes, happiness is contagious. So how do we become a peacemaker? My assumption is that most of you don't want to be peacebreakers. That you not only want to receive shalom in your own life, but you want to pass that on. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to understand God's purpose. Paul tells us something about God's intention. If it is possible, he says in Romans 12, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. I may not have been able to change that peace breaker, but I was able to control how I dealt with him in a desire to be a peacemaker. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should be people of peace, just as our leader was the Prince of Peace. We need to follow his leadership. We need to live in peace. The second thing I want to suggest is that we honestly consider where we are. There's a continuum here on the screen. And the continuum gives us a chance to say, where do I fall? If I'm honest, if I'm totally honest with who I am, do I tend to create tension when I walk into the room? Do I enjoy experiencing shalom in my own life? Or alternatively, in addition to experiencing in my own life, am I someone who passes it on? Is it contagious through me? If you feel like you can't be honest with yourself, you can ask your spouse, and I'm sure they will be able to uh, help out. (laughs) The third thing I want to suggest is that you get your heart right. Our heart is that inner place in our lives. It's the the executive center of who who we are. Another name for our heart is our will. And our will can be adapted. It's not something that's set when we're born, but it's something that can be adapted and it can change. Um, It can change the nature of the decisions we make based upon how we change our will. When we choose to follow Jesus, we understand that we're sinners and we repent. We open our hearts to him and allow the Holy Spirit into our lives. And then we desire to live obedient lives, obedient to what God reveals to us in the scriptures. There comes that realization we're lost without Jesus. And we need him. We need his spirit. And the process of change in our lives, turning us into the people that God wants us to be, is that process that begins. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 3. He says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door to invite him in. Friends, we can't be peacemakers if we don't know peace ourselves. Peace comes from the inside 
out. It's a matter of making our hearts right. And then finally this morning, I want to suggest that the way that we become peacemakers is that we become apprentices to Jesus Christ. Apprenticeship is a word that we don't hear as much as we used to at one point in time, but for the trades, apprenticeship is so important. It's not only going to college and getting the head knowledge uh, around a particular area, but it's spending time working with someone and learning how to turn that wrench or learning how to, to deal with that electrical panel or learning how to paint that wall so that it dries without streaks and good coverage. Apprentice spends time with the journeyman, with the leader, and spending time with him develops the skill set of that leader. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Galatians. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until when? Until Christ be formed in you. Until Christ be formed in you. We are apprentices to Jesus Christ that he would be formed in us. In Colossians 3, we discover what this looks like. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and clearly loved, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. These are the characteristics of Christ being formed in us. These are the characteristics of peacemakers who walk into the room and the tension that was there is no longer there because of what they bring into that setting with this kind of character. The result of this process is that the, the peace of Christ who, remember, is the Prince of Peace, will rule in our hearts. And then when that takes place, we become people of peace, peacemakers in our lives. As you know, much of who we are is passed down genetically. And I I don't know where we draw the line uh, psychologically in terms of Uh, those things that were socialized into in the family and those things that may have genetic origins. Um, John Campbell has a PhD in cognitive psychology. You can ask John afterwards and he'll be happy to answer, I'm sure. But but I I don't know exactly where that is. It's been interesting for me as a father and as a grandfather to see some of my characteristics and Barb's characteristics in our children and then see some of who they are lived out in their children and sometimes there's a sense of justice isn't there grandparents when you see uh, your kids having to put up with some of the stuff that you had to put up right so in our family in my family um, we've had to deal with this peace issue my brother Wes who's in the service this morning was the guardian for our aunt Evelyn and 
Aunt Evelyn um, was married but had no children. She lived up in Canada, and uh, Wes would make occasional trips up to assure her welfare until she passed on. When she did pass on, um, I guess because I'm the family historian, um, I got a box of her stuff, and in looking through some of her stuff, I came across a card that was written probably about the time I was born, sometime in the 50s, um, where my grandfather was writing to his daughter, Aunt Evelyn, my dad's sister. And he said, I'm going into the city. The city was Winnipeg, Manitoba. said, I'm going into the city to get help with my nerves. Now, nerves way back then meant anxiety, only they didn't call it anxiety. They called it nerves. So I thought this is really fascinating because... When I was a boy growing up, I can remember driving to church and in the back seat, my mom turning and saying, shh, your dad's nerves are bad. And dad was having an episode of anxiety and um, I hadn't known what that was. Um, but I, I knew it wasn't something that was good because I saw it, at least in my dad, getting kind of uptight and whatnot. Um, and then when I was in my 20s, uh, it hit me. And it was like, oh, crap, this is, this is nasty stuff. And, and, and it's nasty stuff because you want to be able to point to something that's wrong with you. And with anxiety, it's very difficult. It's just sort of in the, in the air, right? It's hard to figure that out. But I'm a guy, red-blooded American boy, and um, I, I would fight it. I would just fight it and, and fight it and fight it. And one day, um, Barb pulled me aside and sat me down. It was a, a come-to-Jesus moment or a come-to-Barb moment, however you want to <laughs> describe that. And she said, you know, you are, you're fighting this thing, but what you don't realize is it's taking all of your energy to fight this. And you don't have much left over for me or the kids at the end of the day. And, and I needed to hear that because I needed to get some help. I needed to do something to get some help so that I could be the husband and the father that I needed to be. Sometimes, friends, in this journey towards peace, we need to get help. So this is my story now I want to ask you about your story. Do you bring peace into a room with you or do you bring tension and stress? Do you give peace as a gift to others in your life? Do you willfully, intentionally contribute to the shalom, to the well-being of others? Would others use that word shalom to describe your presence? And finally, if you're not a peacemaker, what are you going to do about it? Let's pray together. 
Lord, we thank you this morning for the blessing of your presence. We thank you for the wonder of Christmas. And we thank you, Lord, that you can be born anew this Christmas in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that even as we seek to follow the Prince of Peace, that you would help us to be people of peace who not only do not break the peace, not only live in shalom in our own lives, but give the gift of peace to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.